Welcome to the Wednesday version of Leaving the Yard. Chuck Zach, uh, at the moment, flying solo. Dr. Danny Williams is supposed to be coming in here in just a couple of minutes. The Professor Tony Kirk is uh, on the road. I think he's in Houston is what he told me. He was going down to take his daughter to see the uh, Texas Tech uh, Bowl game. The Texas Bowl. So uh, he's out today. I think he'll be back tomorrow for uh, Kirk and Company. But uh, for a couple of minutes anyway, we will fly solo until uh, Dodger Danny shows up. But uh, appreciate having you along on the Wednesday after Christmas version of the show. So we got rid of the uh, the family this morning. The last of the uh, the children have gone on their way back home. My wife and I, now you got to hear the story on this before you, uh, you get the, the bottom line end of it. We are typically, since we've empty nested, we used to, when the kids were all still living at home, were the week after Thanksgiving. Usually not that weekend, but the week after, first week of December, we'd put up the tree and all the stuff. Well, since the kids have moved on and have gotten their own thing now going on, we have gotten later and later and later into uh, actually putting up all the uh, Christmas festivity stuff. To the point of, <laughs> this sounds terrible. This sounds awful. Christmas Eve, my wife and I looked at each other and she says, you know, if they weren't coming on Monday, I don't know that I'd put up anything at all. I'm like, yeah, but we're, they are coming on Monday, so we got to get stuff up. So we basically put the tree up Christmas Eve and did nothing else. And so Christmas Day, this is how sad it's become as empty nesters. Christmas Day, all the other stuff gets put up. We spent the day on Christmas decorating our house for our kids to come on the 26th so that we could celebrate Christmas with them. Now, I say all that to say typically this is reverse of what we normally do. We usually put it up now since we've been empty nesters about the week maybe before Christmas, and it's down the day after Christmas. Like everything's back in the boxes, back in the garage, house is back to normal. We did Christmas, we're moved on. But now we're weirded out by this. We've had the thing up for such a short amount of time that when all the kids left today, now we look at each other and go, well, you ready to take all this down? It's only been up for, you know, 48 hours. I'll keep it up for another couple of days. I'm thinking our Christmas decorations may make it into January, which it never would have made before. So we got the empty house, we've got the decor still up, and uh, we're trying to get the motivation. I think that's our problem. We had to get such a late motivation to get the Christmas decorations up that now we're having a hard time getting the motivations to get the Christmas decorations down. So that's what's been going on with me in the last day or so. In effect, this uh, massive debate about should we or should we not take down the decorations. I'll give you this one story. So we got the son-in-law and, and daughter and son-in-law over to the house. He loses his, I'm not wearing mine today. <laughs> he loses his wedding ring in my couch. Now we have two couches. We have one that's in a den. We have one that's in the family room. And so we moved a couch in. In the smaller couch, the little bitty love seat looking thing, he loses the ring down in my couch. 
So I'm outside messing around with the dogs, and my wife comes out and says, uh, do we have a, a needle-nose plier? I'm like, yeah, we got a needle Why? Well, um, your son-in-law lost his wedding ring in the couch. And now we're talking about it dropped down into the couch and is locked up someplace underneath all of the springs and padding and frame and all that. So we ended up having to spend uh, the day after Christmas taking apart our couch to be able to find my son-in-law's wedding ring. That's been the kind of week we've had so far. So just to share a lot of family love going on in the Zach house to start things out for the week after Christmas. Anyway, house is empty. Thing is calm. Dogs are all gone. We ended up with six dogs in my house. They're all gone, and we're back to life as it should be. And so let's talk some sports today. I don't know if you stayed up to watch the Mavericks game last night. But can we just go ahead on uh, December 28th and go ahead and give the MVP for the NBA to Luka Doncic today? You have to wait this out. Is there, other than the, the, the games on Christmas, other than the five matchups on Christmas Day, is there a better, bigger venue for a guy to be able to show off what should be an MVP resume than Luka Doncic last night. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a guy that's had a hard time coming to seeing Luka Doncic as all that. And I know that sounds stupid. He's a triple-double machine. He can score with anybody. He's as good a rebounder as there is in the league. He's an amazing passer. He just feels so awkwardly slow. It feels like the advantage is because other people around him move fast and can't almost ratchet down to play at the weird speed he plays at or lack of speed he plays at. But then comes last night's game. I don't even know. For, first of all, we'll, we'll start with the, the obvious stuff. Never in NBA history have we had a player. Think about that. NBA history. Have we had a player throw up 60 points, grab more than 20 rebounds, and hand out more than 10 assists in the same game? Never in NBA history. Which, you know... You start thinking about it, you go, well, there were some amazing guys who could put up big numbers in one or two of the categories, and the third one would get them, like Wilt. You know Chamberlain had 60.20 rebound days, but until he had the one year where he really decided he was going to pass a lot and led the league in assists one year, the rest of the time he really he was an okay passer, but he wasn't that guy. Well, that year he decided to pass, that meant the point numbers came down, And so he didn't have the 60-plus point games like he had earlier in his career. All right, so that makes sense maybe for Wilt. Well, LeBron may be the guy. He's built for all three things, but he doesn't hand out a ton of assists. Eh. Russell Westbrook, who was a triple-double machine for most of his career, never really had games where he went off for that many points. He was good for 30, 40 points, but 60 is a different world. So they've never had an NBA player in the history of this league who put up last night's total that Doncic put up for the Mavericks. That's one. Two, when he got to 53 at the end of regulation, he was already the single-game all-time leading Mavericks scorer in franchise history. Never had any—that's that's what Dirk. Never had anybody had more than 53. 
So the 60 he ends up with, that's a franchise record. And then you give yourself at the end of regulation one of those end of the year. We're coming down to countdown things of the greatest plays of the year, and the ESPYs will have their thing uh, in the spring when they do the ESPY awards. How is last night's game tying at the end of regulation play for Doncic not the ESPY winner for the play of the year? You're at the free throw line. You're down three. Now, we've all lived this scenario. Those of us who play basketball, though, you get it. I got to make the one. I got to miss the second one. I got to give our team a chance to try to get the offensive rebound and maybe put the back up because there's like, I don't know, three seconds left on the clock before it ends regulation. So you make the first one, got the first part done. Now you got to do, and this is tougher than it feels, it's the and maybe the most difficult part of that whole play last night is you've got to throw the ball hard enough and it cannot miss the rim. It's got to hit some rim. So you can't just fire it off the backboard and get it back to yourself. It has to hit rim or it's not a legal shot. So he manages to make that contact with the back of the rim. You get the lucky break of two Knicks who can't decide who should have the defensive rebound, and so they knock the ball away from each other. And then Luca, with presence of mind in midair catch to put the ball back up and tie the game. And what's going to, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to go to the end of this year thinking that's going to be the play of the year in all sports. I can't remember a game that that ended more remarkably than that. So you put all that stuff together. It's the Knicks, so you know the New York market is all over this game last night. It's a nationally televised game. How do you not give the guy the MVP? We've been flirting with the MVP for for a couple of years now for Doncic, and now here you have this. How, How does anybody not think Luka already has the 2022 23 NBA Most Valuable Player Awards sewn up. Giannis's team is pretty good. Jason Tatum may be the only guy you worry about. The guy in Boston who's having a phenomenal year, he may be the guy. Embiid's team's eh. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to probably cancel each other out. LeBron's old. Curry's team's bad in Oakland right now. The, the Warriors are not that good. John Morant, I still think, is a little bit away from being the MVP. I think he got Luka this year, and I think last night's game won him the MVP award for this year. Just saying. Two great games. First, they beat the Lakers on Christmas. Then they beat the Knicks in the next game after. That's two phenomenal back-to-back performances. Luka in both of them. We're going to take a break. Dr. Danny's running in the room. We'll get uh, lined up and talk about Derek Carr and the end of an era potentially in Las Vegas. And the Rangers grab another pitcher. They're remaking this roster, and I'd have never believed they may have a rotation that might actually help them compete this year. It's 12 minutes after 5 o'clock, leaving the yard. Chuck Zack, Dodger Danny Williams in here. On the fan, 1079.
consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. Success can be pretty enjoyable. Ultra, the perfect balance of taste and refreshment in only two points carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Welcome back. 16 minutes after 5 o'clock, leaving the yard. Chuck Zack, Dodger Danny Williams in the uh, studio today. You had a fun uh, fun little period getting here. Oh, yeah, just, you know. Flat tire. Flat tire, run out here. Yeah, that's all. Hate to be late. It's <laughs> all right, we're docking you. Yeah, all right. That happens to me all the time. Yeah, I know. Anywho, uh, the uh, NFL, well, first of all, right, Razorback fans. Uh, Razorbacks were down 7-3 just as the show got started. I had it pulled up and hadn't had a chance to get back around to the score. But they were up, uh, or down rather, uh, the 3 to Kansas in the Liberty Bowl over in Memphis, which, uh, by the way, uh, Razorback Billy's already sent me a picture on about row three. Awesome. I know, right? Uh, however, since I looked, it has been a uh, bad quarter for the Jayhawks, who... Uh, Opened the game. They gave up a field goal. They went down and scored. Back-to-back punts, Razorbacks, and then Jayhawks, three and outs. And then uh, apparently uh, Arkansas, quickly after a punt, went down and uh, got a touchdown pass from K.J. Jefferson to Matt Landers. And uh, right after that, um, Kansas fumbled the uh, kickoff. And Arkansas scored again and made it 17-7. Kansas got it back. Threw an interception, four plays into their drive, and Arkansas is driving again, currently uh, sitting uh, where at the uh, Kansas seven yard line. So, wow. looks like the Razorbacks are about to go up potentially 24 to seven, still in the first quarter in a game with a lot of possessions. That's a bunch of possessions in the first. Yeah, and a, and a weird mix for the Razorbacks. You know, they had so many guys going to the portal, so it's not really like – or to the draft or sitting out or whatever. And so, you know, it's not this year's team, and it's really not next year's team because they're going to bring in so many guys because Pittman does good about, you know, collecting guys from the portal. So it's just interesting. I'm glad that KJ's playing and uh, Rocket's playing so they can try to get some more just, you know, PT and have some fun, actually. Yeah, well, they have uh... – Third and goal at the seven. So if they get in here, they'll have a three-score lead as we are uh, early in the uh, beginning of the Liberty Bowl. A couple of six-and-six teams. I'm not going to say disappointing seasons because you're in a bowl game. For Kansas, they probably, uh, I don't know, maybe doubled the win total that experts had them picked at. For sure. For Arkansas, probably a little less than folks would have thought. Maybe an eight-win team potentially. Uh, Let a couple games at the end of the season get away. Uh, especially that last one in Missouri. So uh, you got a chance. If you're either program, you got a chance to end the year above 500 for the season. Uh, it's not great if you're Arkansas, but uh, it's better than ending this year six and seven and what having a uh, last four games all be losses. I think it was four in a row or three yeah, out of three, the four. Three out of the four. Yeah. I, but I think it's, it's big uh, that this season could have gone the way it did and then KJ could have went to the draft or went into the transfer portal, but he decided to stay, which was huge. So 
for me as a Razorback, you know, you know, not a huge Razorback fan, but seeing it from the outside, it, that's a win above all things is getting him back. And he just ran for a three-yard touchdown. It's 24-7 Razorbacks. Looking good for so, them then. There you go. If you're a Hog fan, woo pig. Woo pig. Yeah. Uh, last night, Wisconsin got a win. Ooh. Which the last, they're let, they let Jim Leonard finish out because he was the interim coach after they had fired Paul Christ. They've, of course, uh, hired Luke Fickle out of Cincinnati. And Fickle said, I'm letting Jim Leonard finish this thing out. Class- said, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, they finished it off with a win over Oklahoma State in the uh, what guaranteed rate bowl last <laughs> night. I don't even know. Just I can't even. It is what it is. Yeah, big th- better th- better things on the horizon for uh, the Badgers. Uh, probably a disappointing loss for Oak State. Uh, oh yeah, that's probably a game that you would expect. They should be a better team than the Badgers. This but, point in time in a year with a coaching change already in Wisconsin and another one in the off season. But their quarterback was their whole, you know, was their yeah. whole package, and without him, I heard a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot. All right. So anyway, uh, NFL. The uh, the news coming out of Las Vegas today <laughs> that the Raiders, who had yesterday kind of hinted out there, leaked out, were contemplating if we're going to play Derek Carr or not this weekend in the game against San Francisco, and the decision got made apparently this morning, and Derek Carr is no longer going to be the starter in Las Vegas. And in fact, after the announcement was made, there a secondary announcement had come out, in effect saying, not only is Carr not going to play this week, but then Derek's removing himself from the team so to not be a distraction for the rest of the season. And so Jarrett Stidham, who's going to get the chance to be the starter this weekend, will not have Carr stand on the sideline looking over his shoulder or every time he makes a mistake, are they going to bring Derek back in? So Carr goes away, Stidham gets the start, and now the question becomes for the Las Vegas Raiders, what's next? Because Jarrett Stidham is not going to be your starting quarterback starting 2023. Uh, they're they're playing with fire. I know Derek Carr is not the greatest quarterback ever, but you know there's he's in the top 20, and I mean you don't want to be a franchise where you don't have a quarterback at all where you can't even hit it in the top 20 uh it's it's scary especially that division that division's really good so uh we'll see how it goes but um vegas is probably gonna be looking at drafting another quarterback well the only good thing for vegas is denver's in a division true i mean that's you and they got to give up all their draft picks and they've got no draft choices yeah they've they lost five they to the had, russell wilson but patrick trade. mahomes is in that division and so there is, is Herbert. that's true uh, kansas city and in los angeles are certainly good but if you're the raiders here you are this is the bugaboo of almost every nfl team it feels like if you don't have the guy trying to figure out who is the guy is just a gut punch yeah it's, it's, it's that's that was denver's problem and you made this huge decision you're going to bring in Russell Wilson and trade away a bunch of the future to get the guy because you thought you might recapture the Peyton Manning acquisition. Well, now here you are in Denver with Russell Wilson and God knows what you're going to put around him. And in Las Vegas, you made the trade to get Devontae Adams to get your guy a number one target. And, and Adams had a fine year, but they can't win games. Yeah. And, and if not for New England being stupid two weeks ago, they probably lose that game. Yeah, I agree. I I just I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a scary place. Um, at least 
with Denver. I mean, you blame it on the coach and you hope that, you know, Russell finds that spark next year with, you know, Sean Payton or whoever else they decide to bring in, right? Uh, But, you know, this is McDaniel's second go-around as a head coach. It doesn't look good either time. Um, and you're going to have one not happy diva of a wide receiver uh, soon if you don't have anybody that can throw him the ball. All right, so then I, this is a two-part question. Part one, if Devontae Adams' new Derek Carr was going to be benched before the end of the season and potentially traded, do you ever leave Green Bay and push for a trade? No, because you know they went to college together and he pushed right. to go there. Right. So no. Absolutely not, because then, then the big the, just the question mark of what's next and who's the next guy. You don't want to be there. You don't want to go through that. Part two. What's the possibility of acquiring Aaron Rodgers hmm. and getting Aaron Rodgers into Las Vegas? Would there be a bigger show anywhere in the country than dropping Aaron Rodgers into Vegas with Devontae Adams reunited? I don't know what draft picks Las Vegas has left, but they'd want young talent or draft choices in Green Bay and potentially Derek Carr. I mean, that may be surroundings may help Derek Carr getting out of Vegas, And in, although Derek Carr has talked about the fact that he can't see himself playing anywhere else but for the Raiders. Yeah, but that's something that's quote-unquote player speak, you know, just to – you know, tie yourself to that team. Sound like you're all in. Right. Yeah. And But then you still have the big question, what the Jordan Love question. I mean, you know, do they want to get, take another quarterback or do they want to take a chance on Jordan Love? That's uh, just a hard part for the Packers. You know, you, you, you rode it out with Brett Favre for so long and then you struck gold with Aaron Rodgers. And now you're in this limbo situation where – you know the Packers could make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. there a lot's got to go right. Right. We're, yeah, but winning is the first thing, and that's yeah. what they're doing. Well, so. they got to. If they don't beat Minnesota Sunday, it doesn't matter. Correct. It all goes away if they don't get this win this weekend. So Monday, that's a serious conversation. Sure. Today, it's a, I don't even know. Right. If you're the Raiders, do you want to acquire an Aaron Rodgers for what may be the last two years of his career? No. Because I don't think they have enough pieces around them to win a championship like the Buccaneers did with Tom Brady. And look how this year's working out with Tom Brady. So what do you do if you're the Raiders? <sighs> I don't know. But by the way, the Buccaneers won a Super Bowl. Right, but they had enough pieces around him. Tom got to choose the team that he wanted to go to the most right. and bring the pieces with him. And apparently there was that conversation through the rumor mill, through the NFL, that Vegas was one of the places yeah. that he wanted to go. But I just think he doesn't he doesn't have enough there built around him in um, uh, Vegas to do that. Now, he has the coach that he knows, but I don't know, man. That's... And you got a, a, a number one receiver you know. True. You got a really good tight end in Waller. Yep. I don't know. You got a pretty good defense. It's, it's really interesting. It's, I mean, it would be. I mean, it, I I just don't know if they could package enough stuff to get it get him pried away from Green Bay, or if Green Bay is just done with him and it will take less well, the amount so that they can try Jordan Love for that fifth year option to see if they he they actually have something or not. If they don't win this week, let's just say they don't. They don't. They don't beat Minnesota. They got to bench Rodgers and put in. You Love. let Love play against you Detroit. To. You have to. You have to. See, I think I think what's happened in the next ten days in Green Bay will tell us a lot about what may happen in Las Vegas. True, because it may be Jordan loves the guy that's on the market. It may not be Aaron Rodgers. If they win two games and get themselves in the playoffs, sure. Now you're stuck with you can't make the change, right? And maybe you don't want Jordan Love to hang around anymore. His career is basically just wasting away. Absolutely. 
Do you move him? It's a lot of well, a lot of what ifs, and like you said, the game against Minnesota yeah. this week will oh, I agree. determine a lot of this. Yep, no, oh, I, I I think full on. Anyway, Derek Carr uh, also is owed forty million dollars. <laughs> so before you even trade him, you got to figure out who can take on his his salary. But any of those meddling teams that haven't had a quarterback that need a quarterback, uh. they, they'll take it. Because it's we had this conversation about quarterbacks before we had, yes. like last week and who you take Derek Carr I take a, ahead of a lot of guys Jimmy Garoppolo oh I take it before him Daniel Jones no Carson Jim, Wentz yes I'd take him in I'd Russell take him, Wilson no I take him over to Goff in Detroit though really oh yeah for sure I think uh, I, I think Goff they're the him. same guy. <sighs> Maybe. I think they're the same guy. I don't. Maybe. I don't know. There's any. If you're Detroit, if you'd have had, if you'd have had uh, Carr instead of Goff, you're seven and eight right now. What would Detroit have been with a different quarterback? I don't know. Because I think they've about gotten the mo- as, as much mileage as they can out of this team. True. Oh, I agree with that statement. I just. I don't know. Derek Carr, I think, still has something left and something to prove. God, if you can't prove it with Devontae Adams. That's only one thing. I mentioned all these other places that have guys that you look at, potential quarterback guys. What about Indy? You want to go to Indy? I mean, I'm not saying – he's not going to have much of a choice. He's going to go where he's going to get traded. But is Indy going to take him? I mean, it's still a plug-and-play. They still haven't found anybody after Andrew Luck. But, I mean, it's better than what you have. Indy's got a lot of issues, though. True. What was a team a couple of years ago that looked like it was potentially a Super Bowl-ish team? Yeah, great defense, great offensive line. has just not panned out this year. No, now you look at it and go, I don't even know what I've got here in Indy anymore. And I made the mistake of the Matt Ryan move. That didn't work. Now what do I do? Do I go and do the same thing again and grab another veteran quarterback to come in and try to learn this system with a whole different group of kid, of guys, or do I bring in a young kid like a C.J. Stroud and say we're just going to start over again, we're going to take our lumps with a rookie quarterback for a year or two and see how it pans out as we put pieces around him? Because you're, you're sinking $40 million into a quarterback yeah, but that, that walks but it, in. Well, it just depends on who's going to pay that because the Raiders may be on the hook for a lot of that. Yeah. You no, know, they would be. So if they if they pay for it, potentially you're getting a quarterback for way less. Ugh. It's an interesting conversation. That's the great thing about the NFL and why it lasts so long. The conversations last all year because free agency, and then by the time you're you're in a mini camp and everything's just it just keeps going. Yeah, it's five thirty. We got to take a break. Talk a little Rangers next. Big pickup for Texas yesterday is a sign and arm, maybe a little unexpected. And you wonder about what in the world is going in in Boston. Have they already waved the white flag in Beantown and we haven't even made it to New Year's yet? Come back. Leaving the yard. Chuck Zack, Dodger Danny Williams. They're on the fan 1079. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The biblical prophet Micah predicted Jesus would be born in Bethlehem 700 years before his birth. This gives credibility to the Bible because it accurately predicts events centuries before they happen. Fulfilled prophecy should cause a rational person to consider the most important message of the Bible, Jesus Christ, our Savior, is born. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. We are 
back. It's 26 minutes until 6 o'clock, leaving the yard. Chuck Zach, Dodger Danny Williams in here. Tony Kirk gone again. He was back for a day. Worked him so hard, he needed another vacay day. He's down in Houston for the uh, Texas Tech Ole Miss game tonight. Uh, Arkansas, another Kansas interception just a minute ago. Arkansas stopped a Kansas drive. Looks like the Razorbacks may have to punt, though, after the turnover. But uh, they're deep into the second quarter now. Well, I say deep in, a couple minutes in. Uh, and uh, Razorbacks are up 24-7. As I mentioned, uh, tonight we've got uh, Texas Tech and Ole Miss. We've got uh, Oregon and uh, North Carolina. Tomorrow, Oklahoma and Florida State. Texas has Washington as well. So a couple of good games for Big 12 teams, at least currently Big 12 teams. Yeah, big bowl game week. This is fun. This is where it gets You start counting them down now. Yeah, exactly. It gets more interesting. Yeah, the games, uh, the first, what, you know, 30 games <laughs> aren't always that intriguing, but we're down to that end of the week all the way through Saturday. We'll knock off some really good games. Absolutely. All right, Texas Rangers, who ended last off season with a couple of big signings of middle infielders. Yes. And had a couple of frontline starters, Martin Perez and uh, uh, John Gray. Uh, you had struggles behind them. You had a pretty wicked bullpen that struggled to hold leads late in the game. Now the Rangers have made the commitment of we're going to go get arms who can eat innings at the beginning of games, and hopefully we're going to take pressure off that bullpen and get them into more defined, shorter roles, not having to eat up seven innings of a game or six innings of a game, and hopefully eating up no more than about three or four innings. That would be the plan. Of course, they made the big splash signings a couple of weeks ago. Well, last night, they add another. And and all the Rangers' arms, we've got to say it for what it is, they are adding older guys who have had health issues and you're kind of in their role in the dice of, can I get them on a bounce back where I think their stuff was still good enough, their arms are still alive enough, that I can get them at a little bit of a cut rate deal. And I say a little bit of it. I had two years and $34 million yesterday for Nathan Evaldi. But can I get them at that kind of price? Can I cobble together five starters and actually make this a team that's competitive in the West. I don't know. I, Nathan Eovaldi is about to be 33 next month, or February. He's coming off a lower back issue. And you and I talked a, a week ago about baseball players with back issues. And we were talking about Carlos Correa at the time. Right. Now you got a pitcher who had been the opening day starter for Boston, but within a short amount of time had back issues, was all was was off the field for six weeks or more. Yep. Before he finally got back and was able to get back into the rotation for the Red Sox. I don't know if he's a starter. I don't know if he's a reliever. I don't know what they're going to use Nathan Eovaldi for. It may depend on the the health of his back. You know, and I've seen the I saw the dog this for like the last five seasons. They'll and they did it a lot with their bullpen, where it was a guy they, that had either Tommy John or had a bad season, and they get them at a lower rate, and then they perform, and then you jettison them and they go away. Um, and so this this can work. Now, out of you know five seasons, I think two of them it blew up in our face, and we had some guys that just didn't pitch well. Um, we signed Rich Hill, who by the way, forty two years old, or signed again, signed again. Um, who signed him yesterday? Tampa? 
Yeah, or did he remember. pitch for Tampa no, last year? I think he year. pitched for Tampa last year. Was it Minnesota who signed? Maybe, I, I, maybe I Minnesota. Um, but he, you know, he worked out for the first two, you know, one year deals we did with him, and then the the second one year or the third one year deal, it didn't work. You know, so when he was what forty years old? Yeah, I think thirty nine. You yeah. know, and so you know, I, I think this is smart. I mean, you have the long term guys, you have a bunch of young guys. Um, that you're waiting to that transition to the majors. Exactly. That, right. you're, that you're just this stopgap, and you've you've put in so much money into some big players that you can't spend big on these other guys, but you also don't want to not put a winnable team out there. And now, so I think it's going to be important for them to get one or two more pieces, you know, one bullpen guy, maybe one more long reliever who can be that starter for a guy that needs a break for, you know, a one spot in the rotation and, and throw six guys in a rotation. Uh, and I think that'll be really important. But as much as I dog the Rangers, uh, they it's been pretty impressive this offseason. They've done a lot. Last season, I was like, you got to be kidding me. You signed two middle infielders. That's great, but right. you don't have any pitching. Right. And But now they're starting to put these pieces together, and they're looking a lot smarter. So I'm going back and looking at, at signing Seager and Simeon last year, and they both struggled mightily out of the gate. Yes. They were hitting sub 200. But if you remember, we talked about this before they came there, and I, Simeon, I said, was not a guy I would have signed. Right. I would have signed Seeger, but right. I told you he starts out really slow, and right. then he gets really hot. And he, I mean, and that's exactly what he did. Right. I mean, and so, and I think being more comfortable with where he's at, who he's playing with this second season, he's still going to start off slow. So Ranger fans got to relax because right. he's never started. He may hit one eighty again yes. through May, but then you look at at the end of the season, he's hitting two sixty, two eighty. Right. So he's hitting. 450 or 350, 450, somewhere in there, and just keeps plowing you through, which is what matters is at the end of the season. You can hang on with him, be patient with him at the beginning. The end of the season is where he gets hot. I'm, I'm concerned. A, I don't know, you know, one or two pitchers you pick up, you're like, ah, okay, well, I don't know how much of a, how much of a difference that's going to make. They've, they've, they've added three now or four. Well, they re-signed Perez. They re-signed Perez. They brought in uh, um, Syndergaard? No, no, not uh, the other one. Yeah, uh, uh, now I'm throwing a blank. Hell. DeGrom, DeGrom. DeGrom, DeGrom. Jake DeGrom. Yep. Um, they brought in uh, Orderizzi, mm-hmm. and now you're bringing in Evaldi. Evaldi. yep. So you've got three guys. With Gray, so that's five total. Gray. So there's your five-man rotation right. right there. So who's at the top of this rotation? Come on. No, Degrom's number one. If he's if he's healthy and good, oh, he's your number one. He's your for one for sure. Yeah, and then it just Perez depends. too. Perez because he's left-handed, so you throw a lefty out there, okay. right? Um, I think you throw in uh, Odorizzi three. I don't know how healthy he is. This is just it. I, right. But I mean, the, we saw with Correa, he didn't sign with the Giants because of physical issues. Right. They they've done their homework. Yeah, they, the, the the Rangers signed him. They they're guaranteed that money. Vivaldi's the same way. They guarantee right. them. That's right. So they have to feel like he may not be there right at the beginning of the season, but he's going to be there. there he's going to be healthy enough to pitch. It almost feels to me like this, and you, you mentioned the stopgap, this bunch of acquisitions feel to me like they're really intended for 2024. I don't know still if they're good enough in 2023. I think the Astros need another year to go away 
get older and go away. <laughs> yeah, but they just keep. I know, I know but Verlander's gone now, right. and and, yeah, and yeah. No, I, I, I think a little older and maybe a little less talent, and Houston starts to come back to the pack. Seattle's the problem. Seattle's young and up. Seattle's and young and up and coming. I'm not worried about Anaheim or Los Angeles. I'm not worried about Oakland. If I'm if I'm the Rangers, I feel like today I'm the third team in the West. Or two A, two B. Because Seattle's ne- Seattle has never gotten over the hump. Even with when they had the best team in the big leagues, they couldn't get over the hump. So I, you know, I, if you're telling me the Rangers are second in the West right now, I say two B. It's a home run all two, over the place. Two A, two B. Because I mean, I know you don't like it, but I think that pitching staff is it, as long as nothing because injuries happen. Yes, they right. Do. As long as these if these guys stay healthy, this pitching staff is pretty good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, no, he's got I, names. They've got names, names for the first time. If you're a Ranger fan, yes. forever for a long time, right? And so with a with a good crop of good hitters. Yep. And so it's going to be really interesting. It well, really is. I in, think in, in my mind, I started to say I think 2024 is where this is built for, and I think that's the year we start seeing Jack Leiter coming through. We start seeing the young draft choices making their way into the majors. I don't think they're coming this year. I think Leiter's coming this year. You think this year? Oh yeah. I no. think they hold him. I think they hold him long enough to not get yes. him his service time, right? And that's why we haven't heard anything about him. They right. haven't been talking about him. But I think they hold him uh, for service time. And if they're winning, then you kind of just let it go and you keep you just keep kicking the can down the line. If they're losing, losing, losing bad, then it's obviously twenty twenty four, right? Um, but if you're you're right there two A two B in that division and you got a chance of making a wild card, I think you see him this year for sure. You think they're close enough to make the playoffs? With the what format it is now, yeah. With yep. the format it is right yeah, now, think, with I what they've so. picked up, yep. Because some the the way some of the other stuff is shaken out in the American League, like you kind of tease with the Red Sox. Ugh. I mean, it's you know some of these teams, it's like ugh. And you know the Yankees, you know they signed, you know they got Judge back, but that was a team that didn't do a whole lot. So they you know, underachieved they, in the playoffs. Yeah, way underachieved. So you're looking at the you know the the. Um, Division with Minnesota, the Central doesn't scare. They don't scare. Nothing scares me there. So I well, Cleveland know. was young. Don't forget the the Indians were. Or excuse me, the Guardians, Guardians yeah. were extremely young. Yeah, but that's one. Okay, the Yankees have money. They're always going right. to have money. They, so you have two. You got the Astros. That's three. How many more playoff spots are there? They got three more. Exactly. Well, you the, might. The man, East will have somebody else, whether it's Toronto or Tampa or somebody's going to. The okay. Orioles great year, but I don't they're, think they're back again. No, there's still two spots. Yeah, and the Red Sox aren't. Well, I think the White Sox are going to be better. I say that. I mean, they made some moves in the offseason sure. that makes you wonder. Yep. Yeah, but they're not that good. No, Minnesota lost Korea. Yep, but ah. they still have a lot of now maturing talent. You would figure should be ready to take a step. The national Seattle's the national. I, I don't league, discount Seattle, right? But the National League this offseason got a heck of a lot better, and the American League kind of stood pat or didn't get much better, except for the Rangers. I mean, really, if you got to give a report card to a team in the American League, Rangers got to be in the top one or two for acquisitions and how they did. What's wrong with the Red Sox? Why, have, why would the Red Sox low ball not? Keep players, not resign, not go after anybody for one of the richest markets in the country. Now, granted, they have the smallest park in the country, sure, but they have one of the richest markets in the country. But you're also asking—you can ask the same question about the Dodgers. 
Dodgers haven't done anything either. Yeah, but the Dodgers had a run here where sure, they're. But, re- I think they're resetting on a lot of older guys. Well, and I think they're trying transitioning to. Out. I also think they're going to try to take a break on the luxury tax and not yeah. be above the luxury tax, yeah. which is, I think where the Red Sox want to be too. They want to be under the luxury t- luxury tax as well. But and they have a bunch of young guys that, but the, they don't have any star power anymore, and no. that's the problem. No. And they have, and their pitching staff is just next to nothing. Like you started to try to think off the top of your head who they have, and it's like, uh, 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 you know, I mean, and they haven't heard, they haven't made any noise about Walker. No, are they re-signing him or not? Yeah, that's a great question. Walker's always had that. It's usually a late sign. Late sign because yeah, everybody's always worried about, you know, the arm, what he's going to do, how he's going to – but he just keeps proving them wrong every year. I don't know why somebody doesn't just sign him. Does the Ra- do the Rangers go after him? <sighs> yeah, you Talk about you mentioned splash. needing a guy yeah. who's a potential long reliever, maybe another starter. If he evolved, if you decide he's better in – Relief role, right? Would you go after Walk if you were the right? Rangers? Because when Ivaldi was with the Red Sox originally, and yeah. he shut everybody down in the playoffs, and yeah. he was that guy who came in for two innings, throwing hundred and three. You can't do that as a starter. His arm just obviously in back don't hold up. But if he got Walker, wow, that's and, huge. And you still need relief arms in Arlington, correct? They still don't really feel like they've got a guy who's the closer, yep, or a guy who you feel is a stopgap in between. I, I just they, I, to me they're. I'm afraid Ranger fans this year are going to get this heartbreak of really good starts by some big-name starting pitchers. And the bullpen blow it. And the bullpen blows in the eighth and ninth inning. And that's not new. No. That's the old Rangers for years. That's, <laughs> I mean, last year was that way. Yep. And when they signed DeGrom, the first thing that went into my head was, this guy got zero run support with the Mets, yeah. and, or the bullpen would blow it when he'd throw a one-hit shutout, and they'd, he'd lose one to nothing. And I could just see the writing on the wall with the Rangers. So I really hope that doesn't happen for him. And, and for the Rangers, all these diehard Rangers fans, you know, it's, it's different. I bag on the Cowboys, but bagging on Rangers fans is harder because they haven't won anything. No. And, and they, they were so close. They were, two, they were one strike away twice. I mean, it's just, I feel for them. I feel for them. We mentioned Carlos Correa. Yep. A week ago, the weirdness of the San Francisco medical report and the midnight signing by the Mets. Pump the brakes. Yeah. Now the Mets have said, wait a minute now. We're not so sure he's as healthy as you, Scott Boris, have told us. We don't care what Minnesota was willing to sign him for. We're asking for a lot of money and a lot of years, and we're not so sure that he's good to go, that – knee, foot, whatever, is solid. Right. Where, is he going to be in in New York this year? Yeah, I think they'll end up working it out. I think Steve Cohen's going to – he realized – and I know we said that it doesn't matter. He's going to spend the money, but his – his luxury tax bill is going to be 120 million. Yeah, if he can, if he can shave off of you know because it's like once you get to a certain amount, it's three times what you uh-huh. actually are over. So if he can shave a few dollars off of that just by bringing this up, because Corey and Boros don't want to look dumb by trying to go to a third team. I mean his his stock will plummet if he has to go to a third team. But well, I think uh, I think pl- he'll be able to, to what three hundred million. Yeah, it, but yeah, it's just too good a setup with the Mets and with Lindor and being able to play a position that does isn't so demanding on right, his body to play right. third. So I think they'll end up getting it done. Some guys don't want to go to third. Some guys' egos tell them I'm the shortstop. Yeah, I know. Look at A-Rod. Yep. All right. We'll take a break. It's about 11 minutes till uh, 6 o'clock, leaving the yard. we got one segment left to do before we knock out the Wednesday version of the show. Quick break. We'll come right back. Chuck Zach, Dodger Danny Williams here on The Fan 107.9. 
They say consistency is the key to success. back seven minutes till six o'clock leaving the yard uh dodger danny williams sitting in for tony kirk today professor will be back tomorrow after he attends the uh, texas bowl today texas tech and ole miss going at it today and uh, we'll close out the week tomorrow next week mo williams gonna be with us the uh girls basketball coach over in Falk going to be uh, hopping on joining us one day very cool next week probably wednesday i think is what we're aiming for so we'll try to get him in here and hear a little bit about what they've been doing a pretty uh busy pre-christmas week as they went to florida and played in a tournament there wow yeah that's crazy so we're here we'll hear from uh, coach williams about that next week but that's coming up after the first of the year no show on friday and we'll be back in here on monday i'm assuming monday after all the football stuff of course cowboys are playing tomorrow night they've got the uh, thursday night game against tennessee what looked when you started the season, like this was a pretty good matchup. These were right. potentially two division winning teams you had going at each other. Tennessee collapsed already. They are probably not going to make the playoffs. Jacksonville has gotten hot, and the loss to Houston last week really knocked Tennessee back for a loop. Now Ryan Tannehill's out. It looks like Derrick Henry's not going to play tomorrow night against Dallas. Tony Pollard for the Cowboys is questionable to play in that game. So we've again got um, – and I hate the Cowboys end up with such awkwardly weird short week, long week things. Yeah, the whole season's been like that with Thanksgiving and then with Christmas game and, or Christmas Eve. And yeah, all Saturday game, then a Thursday yeah. game. It's just hard to get into a good ro- you know routine. But if you're a Dallas Cowboy, that's the world you live in. True. You're the marquee team. The league wants you on as many of the – you know, marquee game slots as you can get. And uh, it means Dallas plays again on a Thursday night. Cowboys have to win out. Eagles have to lose one of the last two for Dallas to be able to move into the division lead. Otherwise, we talked about last week, Cowboys are going to be the number five seed and will probably take on the uh, winner of the South. And again, it looks like Tampa Bay. But the game tomorrow has got a little um, implications. It's it's going to be interesting to see if the Cowboys have the bounce back in them. They did not play well a couple weeks in a row before the Philadelphia game. Not hard to get up for a game that's a division rival, chance to get back in the, you know, winning the division conversation. Now you got a short turnaround. You had Christmas Day. You got a Tennessee team that you should beat easily. With a backup quarterback. With a no backup quarterback and no stud running back. And it just makes you think this is one of those, I hate to say them, trap games. Because we know teaching high school kids and watching them play, seeing college teams all of a sudden have closer games than they should. This is maybe one for Dallas tomorrow night that's a potential landmine. Yeah, and, you know, it's – but for them, do you – I know you just want some closure this week, in my opinion, so you can get some guys some rest. Uh, so if Philly wins or if they end up losing, you know, you want to be able to say, okay, Pollard, you don't have to rush back. If Pollard doesn't play this week and they win, but Philly wins, now they can rest Pollard that last week. Yeah. They're good. Right. I think they I think they really – I mean, obviously they want to win. I think they still will 
They're just a better team. Uh, the yeah. way the way that Dak played uh, and CD played, I mean, it looked really good. Getting him back into the slot, um, I think they still win. Uh, so it's just really on the shoulders of Philadelphia. And it doesn't look like Jalen Hurts may play again this week for Philly. Yeah, I don't think he will. But I think I think no matter what he plays last week. Uh, especially if they don't win. Correct. If Dallas wins Thursday and Philly loses this weekend, then Jalen Hurts needs to be back on the field. Right, because if, the, because if Dallas wins that last week and Philly loses, even with Hurts in the lineup, yep. they've got to play the next week, and you want Hurts in there to at least get them game reps, and you don't want him out for five, five six weeks. Well, it's the difference between on the road for the playoffs for every round yep. versus potentially at home for every round. Correct. We're done. It's good seeing you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Leaving the yard here on The Fan, 107.9. Prepare for the future and reach your full potential at Liberty ILO ISD. At Liberty ILO, our educators